All right, well, good morning, everybody. Um, thank you guys for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Reggie, and um, I'm one of the elders, one of the pastors here at Redemption. And so this morning, uh, we're starting a new series in the book of Matthew. For some time, we've been moving through the book of Matthew. It actually seems like forever. Um, but this week, we're in Matthew chapter 13, and for the next two weeks, we're going to have just a mini-series called uh, Secrets of the Kingdom, and you can see that in your bulletin. Um, you can see that in your bulletin that you have in front of you. Let me ask you this question. Have you, has anyone ever told you a secret? Has anyone ever asked you to keep a secret? Have you ever told someone else a secret? Have you ever been around someone who can't keep a secret? I think it's human nature that when a secret is being kept from us, we want to know what that secret is. When we hold a secret, it's hard not to blurt it out, but at the same time, we want to know it and we want to be in on that knowledge. We like to be in on the secret. We like to hear and we're willing to listen, right, when there's some intrigue, when there's some mystery involved. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be present this morning. Thank you that we've already had a little bit of time uh, to spend together praying, hearing from your word, singing together, um, and God, hopefully uh, getting in a place where you will speak to our minds and hearts. God, I pray over the next few minutes as I deal with your word that you would help me to be a good steward of the gospel. Holy Father, I recognize that as I stand on this stage, my words are of little importance, but God, I recognize that your words are of utmost importance. So God, I pray that you would speak to our minds and hearts. I pray that you would use me as an instrument of your grace and mercy, an instrument of the gospel, that we would see Jesus raised high, and that we would be drawn to you simply because of Jesus and nothing else. And God, we ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. The author of the book of Matthew, that's the disciple Matthew, who was a tax collector, if you remember, and he he left his profession to follow Jesus. Uh, Matthew wrote his gospel, what we call the book of Matthew, um, with a couple of purposes in mind. And as you read through this book of Matthew, you sort of pick up on those things. Um, Matthew wanted to be sure that he communicated that Jesus is the Messiah that has come to deliver God's people. If you were here just a couple of weeks ago, I talked a little bit about that, that Matthew wanted to be sure um, that people recognize that the coming of Jesus is the realization of God's promises in the Old Testament, that God is being faithful to do what God said he was going to do. Um, and Matthew wants us to pick up very clearly that Jesus is inheriting David's kingdom as an everlasting ruler and setting up God's kingdom on earth like God promised David would happen. Matthew is interested in making sure that we know that the kingdom of heaven has come to earth. And what's interesting even more about the book of Matthew is that there are five major discourses in the book of Matthew. Stay with me. There are five major discourses in the book of Matthew. Matthew 5 through 7 is Jesus' first major discourse. It's the Sermon on the Mount. We spent a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, all of the discourses, let me say this real quick, all of the discourses in Matthew deal very specifically with kingdom things, though. 
So in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus teaches, and it's about what citizens of the kingdom of heaven, what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 10, Jesus instructs and commissions his disciples how to be messengers of the kingdom of heaven, and he sends them out. In Matthew chapter 13, that we're going to deal with this week and next week, Jesus specifically teaches parables about the kingdom. In Matthew 18 and 20, Jesus teaches about the characteristics of the community of believers within the kingdom. And in Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus deals very specifically with the king of the kingdom who is here now and who will come again. And all of the rest of Matthew is really structured around those five discourses. They're getting us to those discourses and leading the story along past those discourses. And so right in the very middle of Matthew, in chapter 13, Jesus spends, uh, or Matthew uh, spends a whole chapter writing about the parables that Jesus taught about the kingdom. They're important. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus specifically uses seven different parables to teach about his kingdom. The first parable takes up a major portion of the chapter. The remaining six uh, take up the rest of the chapter. And the remaining six in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus often says the kingdom of heaven is like this, right? Just so we're clear, uh, I'll be done with my seminary lesson here in just a minute, but stay with me. Uh, A parable is simply an extended simile, It's an extended story meant to teach a point, explain a point, illustrate a point, um, or something similar along those lines. But even more importantly, part of the reason that Jesus taught in parables was to invoke a response. It wasn't just to make a point like you would make a point in a debate. It was to draw the hearers to respond, to evaluate, to think, and to act on what Jesus is saying. It was to cause the hearers to have to think about and do something with what Jesus was saying. One scholar has written that Jesus used parables because it forced his listeners to think, to evaluate, to deal with the truths being presented, and then respond to those truths. And so I want to make very clear that as we look at Matthew chapter 13 this morning, the call on our lives is to hear, and it is to respond, right? It's not just a story. I'm not going to stand up here and just make a point. What Jesus wants us to do is hear and respond. I'm going to read through the um, chapter, or the verses that we're dealing with. So if you have your Bible and want to turn there, Matthew um, chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. It'll take a minute to read through them all, but stay with me. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, 
Even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For these people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus goes on to explain the parable. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. It's for what was sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Matthew chapter 13 opens with Jesus telling a parable to the crowds and to the people that are around him. Jesus is in a boat, the people are sitting on the shore, and Jesus is teaching and speaking in parables. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, why are you speaking to them in parables? What's the point? And Jesus responds by saying that those in the kingdom get it, those on the outside don't. Those on the outside will not understand because they don't get the kingdom at all. It's almost like there's two different languages being spoken. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to be in Romania on a mission trip. And the leader of the mission trip was um, a pastor at the church I was at at the, at the time, a guy named Tom. And uh, we were unloading a van that was loaded with all sorts of supplies. And some Romanian uh, folks came up to help us unload the van and... Uh, and Tom said something to them in English, and it was obvious that they didn't understand uh, what Tom was saying. So Tom proceeded to speak louder and slower, you know that, right? Thinking somehow that's going to help them to understand what he's saying. Uh, but there was two different languages, and nobody was communicating well together. And in this passage, Jesus tells the crowd to listen. The disciples ask him why he's using parables. And Jesus essentially said that those in the kingdom get it. And after he says you get it, he explains the parable to them. But even more importantly than anything else going on in this passage is the point of what Jesus is saying. Jesus over and over and over in this passage, 12 different times, talks about hearing and listening. It's overwhelming. If you look back through it, you'll see it. If you go back and read through it, 12 different times Jesus references the act of listening or hearing. I think it's 12. I could be off, but I think it's 12. So I don't think it's far-fetched to say that the main point of this passage has something to do with listening and hearing. How many of you are really good at listening? How many of you, if somebody were to, sit, were to talk to you, would say, you're really a great listener? To be perfectly honest with you, I'm not. 
My wife tells me that I have selective hearing all the time. My wife and I can have a conversation, and a month later, I'll have no recollection of that conversation. And I believe her that we had the conversation, but I just, I don't remember it. Listening is a skill that's very hard for me. Just Friday, Ben and I were downtown, and um, this artist came up to us and began to, to talk to us. Ben was talking about our building and how we want our building to be a blessing to Augusta, and maybe there's some way uh, at some point in time for us to serve the artistic community. And this artist started talking about things that I had no clue what he was talking about. He started talking about artistic process and postmodern art and all this other kind of stuff. And Ben's trying to stay engaged with the guy and listen, right? And my eyes are glazing over and I have no idea what's going on. It's not that guy's fault, it's my fault. But listening is difficult. It's incredibly difficult for me, but it's an important part of the kingdom of heaven. And that's why Jesus talks about it. So here's what I want to spend the next few minutes doing. Chapter 13 is full of parables that Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven. So let's briefly talk about the kingdom of heaven, and then let's talk about Jesus repeatedly telling us to listen. So point number one, the kingdom of heaven is not like any other kingdom. Most earthly kingdoms are established by war, by political maneuvering, by backroom deals, by force, by power, by violence, by subjugating people. But the kingdom of heaven is not like that. Remember just two chapters back, John the Baptist is in jail and he sends people to talk to Jesus to say, are you really the Messiah? And we think that part of the reason he was doing that because Jesus wasn't conquering anything yet. Jesus wasn't winning anything yet. John the Baptist was in jail. He was suffering. He was about to die and Jesus wasn't winning. It didn't look like it at least. But Hear this, Jesus' kingdom was not established by Jesus conquering others and perpetrating violence on them. The kingdom of heaven was established because violence was perpetrated on Jesus. There's a complete reversal of kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven was established by Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. And in Jesus' willing sacrifice, Satan's sin and death were beaten, but in a way that no one expected or even understood. Jesus didn't come and die on a cross and rise from the dead just to forgive our sins. That's certainly part of it. He came to establish his kingdom. What the kingdom of heaven is, is it's the power of God breaking through in our world to reconcile everything back to God. Everything that is broken and marred by sin. Sin is so damaging to our world and to our persons that Jesus is reconciling it to himself through his death on the cross and resurrection so that every aspect of life could be reconciled to Jesus. Nature and disease and personal relationships and emotions and racism and ethnic conflict and whatever else that's out of whack. Jesus is reconciling those things to himself through the establishing of his kingdom. Jesus died to reconcile those things to himself and that's the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 13 when he repeatedly says over and over, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's his kingdom breaking into the world. God's kingdom breaking into the world through Jesus. Point number two, the primary skill for someone in the kingdom of heaven is listening and hearing, not talking. 
Over and over in this passage and in the rest of this chapter, like I said a minute ago, Jesus repeatedly says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, hear this, hear what I'm saying. Over and over and over, Jesus says, listen and hear. Let's be honest. Most people would rather talk than listen. People in positions of authority in our society and in our culture like to talk and like to be heard, right? But a kingdom disciple listens and hears. Let me just illustrate this for a moment. How many of you are wrapped up in our current presidential election? How many of you have watched a debate? How many of you have watched interviews on TV? How many of you have read articles that are posted on social media? Whatever it might be, right? For it seems like forever now, our country has been just wrapped up in this election and the debate goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And quite frankly, from my perspective, I'm weary of it all. But people who are powerful and want influence in our lives are good at getting us to listen to them, right? That's how people establish their earthly kingdoms. It's part of the secret here. They get us to listen to them because they're good at getting a hearing, And what's interesting about Jesus here is that he tells the crowds and his disciples to listen. But what does he tell them to listen to? What does he tell them to hear? According to Jesus in this passage in verse 19, the seed in this passage represents the word of the kingdom. It represents the gospel. It represents the truth of what Jesus has to say. It's the good news of what Jesus is doing. It's the good news of Jesus reconciling the world to himself, of his kingdom breaking in. So I have to ask you a question. In all the chatter that's going on in our society and culture right now, who are you listening to? What are you listening to? What is the primary voice in your head? What voice, what person, what media, what music, what politician, what TV show, what artist, What philosopher, what preacher are you listening to? Who has the biggest influence in your life by way of you opening your ears to them? Who are you listening to? It's clear in this passage that Jesus tells his disciples to listen. But it's very clear as well who and what he's telling them to listen to. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom ought to be what we hear the loudest in all the voices that are around us. It ought to be the voice inside our head that rings loudest. I'm talking about you listening to what Jesus has to say, what God has to say. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about politics or art or sports or whatever you're passionate about. But what ought to inform you is you are inundated with messages from those who are seeking to establish their own earthly kingdoms. What voice you should be listening to the most is the voice of the gospel, the voice of Jesus, God's word. And we're fortunate that God has preserved for us in the English language his word so that we can listen, so that we can know what God has to say about what's going on in our world, in our lives and all around us. The kingdom of God is not like any other kingdom. Primary skill for someone in the kingdom of heaven is listening and hearing. 
to Jesus, to what God has to say. Point number three, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. And you, my friends, are the soil in which it grows. The kingdom of heaven grows like a seed. It has to take root in the soul of the hearers, and it requires time to expand, and it expands one seed at a time. But when it does expand, all of those seeds working together to overtake wherever they're planted is incredibly powerful. I've moved into the house that I live in right now about eight years ago. I think it was eight years ago. And when we moved in, I had a back fence um, that you could see the entire back fence, right? Um, so in my backyard, if you walk in the backyard, you can see the fence all the way across the backyard. Well, in the past eight years, honeysuckle vines have overtaken that fence. So if you walk out and look on my back, walk out onto my back deck, look out over the yard, you don't see a fence any longer. You see honeysuckle vines growing over a fence. Uh, when we moved into the house, I built a deck. We had a deck on the, built on the back of the house, and I planted some jasmine plants around the deck. And over the past eight years, those jasmine plants have just grown, right, and overtaken the bottom of the deck so that I constantly have to cut them and trim them back and prune them. The point being, the kingdom takes root, takes root and grows like honeysuckle vines, like jasmine, as we listen, as we hear, like Jesus is calling us to. It's important that we're listening to the gardener, right? Who's the gardener? Jesus. Not us. We're just the soil. Our soil produces good fruit when we listen and when we hear. That's what Jesus says. That's why the main point of this passage is this. Make sure that you know that you've heard what Jesus is saying. Make sure you know that you've heard what Jesus is saying. My wife is a uh, pretty talented person, pretty talented musician, um, if I can say that to a, to a certain extent. But um, she doesn't read music. And um, when she listens to music, songs on the radio or whatever, uh, what she hears are the melodies and the harmonies and the instruments and whatever the music is. She doesn't hear lyrics. That's not what's important to her. But that's led to some pretty interesting conversations about what she thinks lyrics are, right? Because she's not listening to lyrics. So just in the past year or so, uh, a couple of years, there's a song that came out. Uh, you may have heard it. Uh, I think the name of the song was Geronimo. Anybody know this song? No? Okay, well. There's a line in the song that says, say Geronimo. Like Geronimo, like Geronimo. Say Geronimo. Say so Amy thought that the guy was saying, say, you're not alone. Say, you're not alone. Right? So it gave me an opportunity to make fun of her, which is terrible, but I did. The main point of this passage is this. Make sure that you know that you've heard what Jesus is saying. Make sure that you know that you've heard what Jesus is saying. Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23, Jesus explains the soils that he referenced in the parable. These soils that Jesus lays out, they are really warnings, tests, if you will, to know whether you've heard what Jesus is saying. Verse number 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes 
and snatches away what has been sown in his heart, and this is what was sown along the path. Here's the warning. Make sure that you are not listening with a hard heart. Make sure you're not listening with a hard heart. Listening with a hard heart is the act of listening with your intellect only. A seed doesn't germinate and flourish unless it goes deep down into the ground and let it, unless it penetrates the earth. A seed that doesn't go down into the ground and germinate is a seed that doesn't have any real impact. The power of that seed is only theoretical. It's not real. And here's the test for you. Has the word of God ever become real to you? Have you ever been overcome by the truth of God like you were waking from a dream and all of a sudden everything made sense? Has the word of God ever come right at you and gripped you around the throat and picked you up like Darth Vader so that you understood the power of God's word? Has the word of God ever thrilled you? If not, why not? Is it because you're listening with a hard heart? Is it because you're listening with a heart where the gospel has never taken root? Verses 20 through 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Here's the warning. Here's the test. Make sure you are not listening with a shallow heart. Listening with a shallow heart is the act of listening with emotions only. It's moved beyond something that's theoretical, but it's not deep. The roots are shallow, and when the heat of life, the sun, the heat of life comes along, the roots aren't strong enough to withstand what's going on. These are people who seem excited at first about the word of God, but when things get taken away, when Jesus calls them to submit every area of their life to his lordship, they wither. When life gets hard and bad things happen to good people, they wither. These are people who came to Jesus not to receive Jesus, but to receive a blessing, to get something from Jesus as if he were a spiritual Santa Claus. They never really entered Christ's kingdom. They wanted Jesus to enter their kingdom. Make sure that you're not listening with a hard heart. Make sure that you're not listening with a shallow heart. Verse 22 is, For what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Here's the warning. Make sure you are not listening with a divided heart heart. Listening with a divided heart is the act of listening to more than just Jesus. This is the group of people who have roots that have taken hold, roots that can stand, but these seeds are being choked out by other priorities and other cares and other functional saviors. They are committed to Jesus, but Jesus shares control of their life with other things. They are Christians who are always in doubt, always anxious, who can't tell what they are, whether they're thorns or not, and who can't move forward, who can't move backwards, and they're stuck, and they're being choked out, and they're miserable. They spend their lives devoted 
to many things, but never singularly focus on Jesus. Of all the soils that Jesus talks about here, these are the people who are most miserable. The first two fade away. They do their own thing. They're fine. The third group is stuck. And the fourth group has joy in Christ. But the third group is a miserable group being choked out. And Jesus doesn't control every area of their life. Right, I've seen this repeatedly over the years in our own church. People who are part of the kingdom, who are believers, but refuse to submit every area of their life to Christ. Whether it be their focus on their career, whether it be um, their own sexuality, whether it be priorities, whatever it might be, they refuse to submit areas of their life to Jesus. People who are like the first two types of soil, they fall away, they get snatched away, they leave. They're out of the picture. But this third group is stuck. They can't leave. They can't go forward. They can't go backwards. They never change. There's never any growth because their heart is divided. Make sure that you're not listening with a divided heart. Charles Spurgeon once said something to this effect. If you're a Christian, you're on the boat to heaven and you can't fall off meaning your salvation is secure. But you can fall on the boat and break every bone in your body and spend the entire trip to heaven in the infirmary. Make sure that you're not listening with a divided heart. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Here's the warning. Make sure you are listening with a soft heart, a deep heart, and a fully devoted heart. In other words, listen with everything that you have. Value the word of God and the voice of God above all else. Listen as if your life depends on it. Because a fruitful life does depend on it. Fruitful in the sense of what God says in his word. In Galatians chapter 5, which I'll read in a minute. Listen as if your life depends on it. Do you remember when I opened the sermon by talking about being in on the secret? Being in on the secret. We all want to be in on the secret. You're not going to get in on the secrets of the kingdom unless you're listening. Jesus is calling you to listen to get in on what he has to say, to speak the same language. He's inviting you to be in on the secret. But that happens when we listen and we hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the way Jesus put it. If you do, the fruit in our lives looks like what Galatians chapter 5 says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen with everything that you have as if your life depends on it. We're going to move into a time of response here in just a moment. But let me encourage you as we move into a response, a time of response here in this building this morning, let me encourage you to be actively listening along with your community of faith here at Redemption to the words of the kingdom, to the seeds of the kingdom, to the gospel, to the truth of God's 
words. There are ways that we will encourage you to listen. We'll encourage you to be here on Sunday morning to hear God's word preached. Not because we're great preachers, but preaching is the method by which together we join to hear God's word. We join together to have our hearts attuned to Christ as Jesus is lifted high and we're motivated by what Christ has done for us to listen in your families, in your missional communities, in your DNA groups. Let me encourage you to pursue active listening to the gospel. That may mean that you're reading God's word together. That may mean that somebody else around you is speaking the truth of the gospel into your life because you have blind spots. We all have blind spots when it comes to the gospel. We all have blind spots. And so maybe, just maybe, God has put people in your family in your church, in your missional community, in your DNA groups, people that you serve with. Maybe God's put them there to help you see your blind spots. Practice the spiritual discipline of reading God's word and hearing what it has to say. If you look at our mission statement that's on the bottom of your bulletin, part of what we say here is um, that we're gonna practice spiritual disciplines together. Read God's word. Study it. Serve one another. Hear the gospel call on your life to be a servant as we care for one another, as we serve one another, even in situations like this, as as we volunteer and do different things. Let me encourage you to listen. Let me encourage you to listen in such a way that it leads to submitting all of your life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. Make sure that you've heard what Jesus is saying. Don't listen with a hard heart. Don't listen with a shallow heart. Don't listen with a divided heart. Listen with a heart that's completely open to what God has to say. That the word of God's gospel, that the word of the gospel of Jesus might go deep in our hearts and germinate and produce something incredibly beautiful and incredibly powerful so that it might overtake our church that it might overtake our city, that it might overtake our world with the gospel. The gospel is the only thing our world, um, is the most important thing that our world needs is the gospel. And so may the seed of the gospel grow out of us in such a way that it overtakes and becomes something beautiful for the world around us to see Christ. Uh, We're going to enter into a time of response, like I said, Uh, During this time of response, the band's going to come back up on stage in just a second, and they're going to lead us in some songs and continue to give us the opportunity to worship by singing. Um, During this time as well, you have an opportunity to sit where you are and pray, to reflect, to respond, to listen to what God is speaking to your hearts and to your minds. Uh, During this time as well, um, I think there'll be some people in the back who are willing to pray with you. If you have something you want to pray about, talk about, whatever it might be. Um, during this time, you have an opportunity to continue to respond to God through the act of worship by giving. There's a giving table in the back where you can put your tithes and offerings and worship by acknowledging that everything comes from God anyway, and we worship by giving back what he's called us to. And during this time as well, we'll have an opportunity to worship by taking communion. Um, so the reason we take communion is this, and we do this every Sunday, The reason we do it is this, when we take communion according to God's word, what we're doing is we're remembering what Christ has done for us and we're proclaiming to one another that we believe it. 
So in the act of coming down this middle aisle here, taking the bread, dipping it in the wine or juice, in the act of doing that, what we're doing is we're physically saying, I am remembering what Christ did for me and I am proclaiming that I believe it, that it's real and that it's true. And so if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you're a member of this church or not, if God gives you the freedom to take communion, then I would invite you to come and take communion, but recognize what you're doing when you do it. And if you can't remember what Christ has done for you and you can't and you're not willing to proclaim that you believe in and that it's true, I would encourage you to stay where you are and reflect on what you've heard, reflect on what it means to take Jesus rather than what it means to come and take communion. I'm going to pray for us. And we'll move on. God, thank you for the reminder from your word this morning that you um, have established a way for us to be right with you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. God, thank you for his perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And thank you that we can be rightly related to you because of it. God, I pray that the seed of your word, the seed of the gospel, would go deep down into our hearts that it, would, that it would flourish from there and grow and become beautiful and powerful because we have listened to you, because we've heard you. God, help us to hear you. Help us to listen. Help us to listen well. God, we ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.